Welcome to Lifting Language, where we hold roundtable conversations with educators and students about all things related to serving and supporting English learners in our classrooms. Lifting Language is brought to you by Sidelitz Education. Sidelitz Education offers professional learning and resources to educators. Hi, I'm your host, Valentina Gonzalez. Andrea Bittner reminds us that no one reaches success alone. In this episode, I sit down with Andrea Bittner, Carly Spina, and Viana Armstrong, and we discuss how they engage families of multilingual learners. I promise you, you are going to leave this episode with at least one new idea to share with your colleagues or implement in your own work. We talk about success stories, mistakes, and advice. Sit back, listen in, enjoy. There were more than a few times that these friends blew my mind. Hey everybody, welcome. I am so happy to be here with my fabulous friends and colleagues talking about family engagement and multilingual learners today. I'm happy to have Carly Spina, Andrea Bittner, and Viana Armstrong. So if each of you will just tell us a little bit about yourselves, we want to know the highlights. Hey, everybody. My name is Andrea Bittner. I'm an English language learner educator from Philadelphia, PA, and I've been in this work for just about 23 years now. I'm also an author of uh, Take Me Home, which is a true story about our bilingual students who give a firsthand account of what it's like to become bilingual in the U.S., and also in the last year, I've had the opportunity to go around and start to speak to educators and meet amazing people like yourself. So love what I do and just happy to be here. Hi, everyone. My name is Carly Spina. Um, I have been serving in multilingual education spaces um, for over a decade and a half. I was an EL teacher for many years, a third grade bilingual classroom teacher, um, a multilingual instructional coach uh, for um lots of schools serving EC through eighth grade. Um, I am currently an education specialist with a nonprofit here in Illinois. Um, and uh, we serve across the state and beyond, but uh, our passion is really supporting educators and leaders as they serve uh, multilingual learners and families. And I'm also the author of the book, Moving Beyond for Multilingual Learners. Glad to be here today. All right. Well, definitely in great company here. My name is Viana Armstrong, and I guess I'm the veteran in the group. So I have actually been in education for 33 years. Um, I retired a couple of years ago and worked part-time and recently just went back full-time um, in a completely different role. So um, I have, all my work has been with bilingual and ESL students um, here in Texas, and I have taught both bilingual and ESL pre-K through sixth grade. Um, I was the bilingual ESL coordinator in two different districts. Um, I've been an adjunct professor for Texas A&M University Commerce, um, and currently my new role is emergent bilingual coordinator for Texas Virtual School. So that's completely new, so exciting. Um, I'm also a retiree, 
a wife, a mom, a dog mom, a painter of chairs, and I also um, work for practical parent education as well, so in my spare time. So I really, really love um, training parents and parent liaisons mainly across the state. You can't see me right now, but my eyes are tearing up because I just admire the work these three women do so much. And I know that hearing their bios and they're just being humble right now, they're just sharing like a little bit of what they do, but I know because I've done the research behind them. Um, I know that they do so much more than what they just shared with us, but what they shared is even spectacular. So I'm just, I'm so happy to have Andrea, Carly, and Viana with us. And um, it's just going to be great to learn from the three of you. It's no secret that family engagement aligns with student success. The more we engage families, the more successful their students, their kids, and our students can be. Can you share a family engagement success story with us? Absolutely. Um, I can talk about many family engagement activities we've done through the years, but one of the most successful ones I've seen so far is one that we actually do every fall around Thanksgiving time. And we do Thanksgiving family home visits. So many of our students coming from whether it's a different state or a different country or their first time in the U.S. weren't really familiar with the experience of Thanksgiving. And so we took that opportunity to create home visit times where we coordinated with the local Rotarian Club and the local clubs at school to create meals that were full of traditional things like pies and turkeys and corn and rolls and vegetables. And we sent information out to our parents and said, hey, we'd love to have our teachers come bring you a meal. You could choose to use it or not if you choose to celebrate Thanksgiving. And we just love the opportunity to meet you. And so that kind of literally opened the door to these home visits. And so all the EL teachers teamed up. We had a plethora of kids. We have about 300 active kids in our district with about 29 different languages. So we um, sent that information out to parents and said, we would love to come see you. When would be the best time? And we gave a window of two different nights and two different time frames. And they signed up in droves. And so we teamed up, loaded our cars, headed out into the community, and spent about 20 to 25 minutes in each house um, to be between all the EL teachers. And it was really eye-opening and a lot of fun. And we finally felt like we established that immediate connection and a safe space in their home where they were waiting for us. Um, and it's something we've done for years that we look forward to. Wow. I just have to pop in there and say how amazing that is because I do remember when my family was new to America, we didn't know anything about Thanksgiving. And my mom even reminds us that the first few years after we learned about Thanksgiving a little bit, she was making chicken for us instead of turkey because that was, I mean, that's just what you saw on television. It was a bird. And we didn't know that turkey was like the traditional Thanksgiving fowl that you that you make so and I love the home visits I can talk more and more about the impact that one teacher had on our family making home visits so thank you for sharing that Andrea hi well um the last uh, last year I was in a different district and one of the things that we did um, that was brand new that hadn't been done before was we had an El Dia del Niño celebration so it's a day of the child and I remember when I first started the meetings with the committee, you know, I reached out for a committee because we wanted a committee across the district. 
you know, there were um, a few people that gave a little bit of pushback. You know, you're going to do this on a Saturday. People aren't going to come. You know, it's soccer season, all that kind of stuff. And I said, let's try it. Let's just try it and see what happens because we need to celebrate our kids. You know, they were already coming up for, um, you know, programs and things like that. But I wanted to, a true celebration of our children. And so we tied it into um, our title, uh, Title Three funds um, in our state of Texas, which um, hit. It's our multilingual learner. So those are the only families we invited. We had a family style concert, um, which was super fun. One, two, three, Andres, which was amazing. They also did breakout sessions for our kids. We had soccer camp kind of thing going on. Um, we had breakout sessions for our uh, parents. So I did the practical parent education program and we offered sessions in English and Spanish. We had different community people come in. Our regional service center came in. Um, we had a library, you know, in the library, we had set up kind of like a little fair, um, and it was beautiful. It was so cool to see literally standing room only, and it just really brought our families together. And we also, I forgot to say this part, though, but we started the whole thing to make sure everybody got there on time with uh, the children got to perform. And so the teachers got to decide, you know, what they were going to do, whether it was a song, a poem, a dance. We even had a student that was doing the the roping um, it was just the coolest thing. So it truly was a celebration of our children. We had beautiful work up um, around the building and it was awesome and all crammed into two hours. I'm like, we got to go. We got to go. So anyway, so I'm, I'm hoping that that tradition continues because it really wound up being such a beautiful thing to see all of these families come together to celebrate our kids. Diana, you have to share with us more about how you implemented that and then you know, in future years, how that continues. That sounds so student and family centered. And that's, I think, the power in it. And you're bringing their culture into the current, you know, environment. I think that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Such a great idea. So um, I'm going to kind of speak about two different things. One is like kind of a smaller moment. I think that we, we often, you know, I think our brains often go to like a big thing, like a big event. Um, but I also want to highlight, this is like an ongoing thing, right? It's, it's not one, you know, one moment in time. It's, it's multiple moments uh, over the course of a, a, the year, right? Family engagement is really a journey. It's, a, it's an ongoing relationship. Um, and so anytime I get a, uh, an opportunity to have a face-to-face -face encounter with a family, um, I want to ask, like, I want to start with like, you know, what does your child just love? Tell me about what your child, like what really lights up your child? When was a really like happy moment for your son or daughter? Um, and asking families that question, it, it does a few things. It, it tells the family that as a teacher, like I, you know, I do want to teach them all these things. I want to help them master content and language, but I also just really want them to be happy <laughs> when they're, when they're at school. Um, so as a mom, you know, myself, when, when teachers take that extra time to show me that they're invested in my child's happiness, that already kind of sets a, a tone. It, it starts to build some trust and some, um, a sense of comfort, I think, uh, with that teacher. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of going, starting off with those types of conversations. And then I'll, I'll also share an event because um, I think these moments uh, do have the ability to, you know, have that bigger impact. Um, and so one thing that we did, and it was kind of a small thing, but it really, it was a small shift with big impact is we did something called uh, bus, stop, bus stop outreach. 
And um, we met students in the mornings, uh, you know, before school, we tended to pick Fridays because that seemed to be a more optimistic <laughs> day for everybody. Um, but we met kids out at their bus stop. Uh, we would get into their neighborhoods. We would meet them with like a little Dixie cup of orange juice and some, you know, donut holes uh, to get them really sugared up <laughs> before they hop into school. Um, but it was really cool to, to do that because we got into our, our family's neighborhoods. And I think many times we, you know, we have to kind of break down that barrier. Like Andrea was saying, we, we want to be present. We want to show that families like we're not just telling y'all to come to us. Like we're coming to you too. This is an engagement, right? This is a, a relationship. We're both <laughs> going to uh, to meet you um, wherever we need to so that we can have those connections. Yeah, it's a two-way street for sure. And there's so much of what you said. I just want to put a pin in. First of all, I, I want to I, I want to thank you for saying that, you know, family engagement is about daily practices that we put into place. It's not just about those big events. Those big events are great, but if we're not sustaining them through those daily practices, then we may be missing great opportunities to engage families. So stopping to talk with parents about their kids, like you mentioned, Carly, and really listening to what they say, that's the key. Because when we do that, we're showing them that we affirm and value what their kids have and what their families bring to the table. And I, I think um, that's essential to that engagement. We're validating and affirming their cultures and their traditions and all of their selves. Um, but I love that bus stop outreach too. Uh, and it reminded me of this school that I, I worked um at a district where one of the campuses was seeing that their families weren't coming to the school. Their families weren't coming um, to events that they were ha having. So they went to the families, like you said, and we all make mistakes. I know I think back to things I did in the past. Uh, and if I don't reflect on them, then I'm not gonna learn from them. Would you all be brave enough to share with us something you've learned about working with families? And it can be a mistake you made on your own or when you've heard from a, a colleague or in the field you've heard about. So I've made many, many mistakes over the years in this area. And I feel like I just, you know, it's like a daily thing, I think. Um, but almost all of my mistakes in this particular, like when we're talking family engagement, most of my mistakes have resulted from assumptions that I have made, <laughs> um, assuming how families prefer to communicate, assuming like what time is a good time for like hosting a family event, what day of the week, what time of day, uh, assuming what topics uh, we will explore during like parent workshops and things like that. So most of my mistakes have, have been rooted in, in the assumptions that I have made. So I have had to do a lot of like self-reflection, unpacking my own biases, unpacking my blind spots, all of those things. I think that's just life work. Um, but I think one of the biggest ones uh, was assuming um, communication styles and communication preferences. Like I always say communication is not a two-way street anymore. It's like a highway interchange because we have so many different avenues and platforms that we share information uh, with with you know folks that we that we talk to. Um, and so I think that like one of the big ones was um, when we hosted different events like parent teacher conferences or like a literacy night. 
um, many of us would come together and be like, well, why didn't this particular group of families come? Uh, and then we, we started to say, well, maybe it's childcare, maybe it's transportation, maybe it's all these things, but we never even began with like the communication. How did we communicate this event was even happening? Well, we sent it in email and we sent it in English. So we actually disinvited like <laughs> a whole lot of families. Um, and so we had to really have good, strong conversations of like, okay, so now that we know this, about ourselves and about our practices, what can we disrupt? What can we change so that we are making <laughs> these events accessible to everybody and really honor everybody's different communication preferences? Like I, I'm a text message person, uh, but my sisters are both phone people. And I like, if they call me, I'll just kind of slide it and be like, text me instead, what's up? <laughs> so all of our families have those preferences too. I think something else too, and we've made many mistakes through the years in, in different family engagement activities was making like well, exactly what a lot of Carly said assumptions right about what people may be interested in or need or not need and something that we really learned was the financial piece and that some of our families have several children in the district or have several cousins that are staying with them and so when we would host these events in the very beginning and we would say oh it's going to be great send in your five dollars people didn't have those five dollars but more importantly, they didn't feel comfortable enough at the time to let us know that. And so now we have these conversations and we make sure that our events are family oriented, that they're fun and that they're free. And so what I find when we employ those three Fs, that family, fun and free, we get a lot of engagement because the kids aren't worried about it. Because sometimes that's the first thing they'll say, oh, Mrs. B, I know that we're not going to be able to come. My dad told me he just paid our car bill. You know, and that happened, you know, just last week and we're heading into a, an engagement next week. And I said, don't worry about it. Remember, Mrs. B takes care of that with the school. And then they were like, oh, cool. And the form came back signed. So communicating that with the families and also reassuring, you know, your kids that have that understanding of what their families are experiencing financially is important as well. Gosh, all of that is awesome. I love that. The What did you say? Free, family oriented. What was the other Fun, family, and free. So Perfect. it's going to be fun. Bring everybody. You don't need childcare. That was another important piece. You don't yeah. need childcare. Bring you the the littles. Bring bring the bigs. Let the bigs be the mentors. Um, and free. Family, fun, and free. Love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, so one thing I was thinking about, you know, I did mention that I, I've worked with practical parent education as well. Um, I was a parent educator for actually off and on for 29 years in a couple of different districts for them. And then they asked me to become a trainer. And so that was definitely um, a dream come true. But that being said, um, I should have known. That's one of those definitely I should have known. Um, so I had been asked to um, offer some parenting sessions um, as part of the rotation for a Title I family night, you know, where they have to go through all the title information with the parents. And so they had all kinds of things going on. So I got everything prepped. I knew my time frame. I had everything in English and Spanish. I'm like, yeah, we're rocking and rolling. Then the parents walked in with their kids. I'm used to presenting to adults in, in that type of environment. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh, Oh, okay, we got to pivot really quick because we got kids in here to have this conversation. And it was a conversation all about motivation. And so, um, but we had icebreakers and things like that, but it actually wound up being a pretty cool thing. Once I kind of pivoted and rolled with the punches a little bit, it was really neat to hear the conversations that these, that the kids had with their parents about motivation. And, you know, I remember one dad, he was really funny because he was like, well, la faja me motivó. So the belt is what motivated me as a child. And I'm sitting there going, 
<laughs> you know, but the kids laughed because they know that that is part of how discipline used to be. And so it wound up being a really neat conversational piece between the kids and their parents and then other families um, just to talk about what does motivate us. Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? Um, you know, I think the parents needed to hear that because a lot of them hadn't really thought about that before. So like I said, it wound up turning out okay, um, but it definitely was one of those, oh man, I should have thought that through a little bit more. <laughs> but I love how you engage the the parents with their children and got them to communicate with each other. And everything that you all said, those assumptions, um, the communication is more of like a highway and the needs that we think about with families, all of that is so important when we're thinking about engagement and the mistakes that we've made in the past. I remember making an assumption and it, it is about a uh, financial piece also. Um, I made that assumption of like, um, oh, boys and girls, remember when you've gone to the zoo? And then I made that assumption because I've been to the zoo and I think, you know, all, my children have been to the zoo. Not every child has been to the zoo. And I don't know why I blindly made that assumption, but I have to think back, you know, not all families, even in my community where maybe it's middle class or in where the school that I teach at is mostly middle class, even in that community, there are kids that don't have books in their room. There are kids that their parents may not be reading to them regularly. We cannot make assumptions. And it's hard sometimes to stop and think about that, but we have to. Um, it's so important. So I'm glad you brought that up. Those assumptions, oh, they're so hard. If you were speaking with a brand new teacher, what would you advise them about family engagement as it pertains to our multilingual learners, our English learners? First thing I would say to a brand new teacher is that no one reaches success alone. That it's really important that you not only engage with the kids and the family members of our multilingual learners, but that you extend that engagement to the team of colleagues that are going to work with them around the building. Because 75% of the time, our multilingual learners are not with their English language learner teacher. They're with other people in the building. And that means everybody from the transportation team to the maintenance team, to the office team, to the cafeteria team, their travels throughout the day everybody wants them to feel successful. So engaging the kids successfully at school and then allowing the parents to hear about that successful engagement at home will strengthen your connections with parents. And engaging with your colleagues to what I call that we before me mentality. This is our student. We're all going to raise this student in our village for many years together and watch them grow. So our success is their success and just working through that together. The other piece is really empowering parents by communicating with them in the language they prefer. And I know we talk about that a lot and they are the root to their children. And in order to bear a lot of fruit, we've got to get to that root. And so some of my parents in my building prefer English for communication. Some of them prefer English and French. Some of them prefer Russian. You know, we've got 29 different languages that we work with. So finding out from parents as that new teacher with that quick survey of, hey, I found out through our school system that your child is bilingual. I'm so excited to be in my class this year. What language would you prefer that I communicate with you in school information? And just opening that door to show that respect, acceptance, and admiration immediately and hear what they prefer lets that parent know, I'm ready to engage with you in the language you prefer to get the most information from you about your students. 
So um, I'll share two different uh, pieces. The first one is kind of what Andrea was saying, like celebrating, like intentionally celebrating the students and bringing those celebrations to the families. Um, every win is a big win in education. So if we are sending a quick text message to a mom or an older brother, whoever is a caregiver at home, if we're sending them a quick text message like, wow, your child really rocked it in math today, or hey, thanks so much for getting your kid to school on time today. Like you're, you're rocking it as a mama, you're rocking it as a big brother. Thank you so much. Honoring all of those wins, I think is so important because after a while, if you are a family member or a caregiver that only gets a negative call, <laughs> like if you only get a call from the school when something's going wrong, you're going to stop answering your phone. I know I've done that as a mom. I'm like, oh, I know what this call is going to be about. I'm not answering it. And so I will literally disengage. Um, so that's one piece is the, the ongoing celebrations, you know, embracing every small win as a big win. Um, but the other piece I think is, is um, kind of repositioning families because I think many times we uh, inherit our schools, we kind of pass down this uh, deficit laden perspective of our families. Um, and so I, will, I would love to tell any brand new teacher, your families do not need a savior. <laughs> they, they do not need a savior, they need a supporter. Uh, positioning teachers as, as saviors, um, it's just very, very problematic. And we don't need to guide parents, we need to collaborate with them. We don't need to lead them, we need to walk beside them. Uh, we don't need to teach them, we need to listen to them. <laughs> um, our families are just such rich sources of love and light and resilience and brilliance and uh, world connections and strengths and passions and just so much knowledge. So um, family engagement, yes, it's, a, it's that ongoing uh, relationship. So those celebrating each win and, um, you know, keeping that, that mentality of, you know, we're partners in this. When we're working with our multilingual students, we have to really keep our biases and our assumptions in check. You know, I think that that's something that I had to learn over the years, you know, about thinking about those things. And especially, you know, if those parents are not showing up for that parent-teacher conference, don't just assume it's because they don't care, you know, because I think that that is one of those assumptions that is automatically made. They just don't care. Well, is it that or is it the fact that there's one vehicle, mom works days, dad works nights, we've got things to do, you know, just kind of trying to find the cause and seeing if there's just that alternative way. Maybe it is just that quick text, you know, because you can do Google Translate. And send that, you know, but trying to find that out, asking those great things about the kids, because a lot of times you're right, all they're going to hear is the negative, didn't turn in the homework, didn't participate in class, you know, had their hoodie over their head, they hear all of that. And so trying to find out what are their gifts, what are their strengths, you know, really, really honing in on those kinds of things and not listening to the teacher that had them last year. You know, and so just kind of thinking about all of that and and then also piggybacking off of Andrea, find your village. You got to find your village and you got to make things happen for our families. You know, there's always going to be those negative Nellies um, in the school and people who don't believe or think that they can't just because their English um, is not at the level that they think it should be. Um, and so definitely finding your village and, and challenging those kids and making sure that the fan, their parents know what a gift they are and what a blessing they are to our classrooms and our schools. I feel like the advice you've given is not just for new teachers, it's for any educators. I feel like you've built on each other's uh, advice and I'm gonna add something as well. I'm gonna build on what you said as well because I remember, remember being afraid of parents. 
I, because I was so comfortable with the students. I, I loved being in the classroom. I could be with them all day. I just enjoyed it so much. But it, when it came to working with parents, I remember being afraid. Um, I was scared of parent-teacher conferences for many years until I had one mentor teacher that said to me, there's no reason to be afraid of parents. They're people like we are, and they love the kids just as much as we love them, probably, probably not probably, more than you love them because they're their kids. And so just let go of that fear and show them how much you love their children. And it's going to be a beautiful conversation. It's going to be a beautiful partnership. And once I realized that, like, there's no reason to be afraid of the parents, just show them how much you love the kids. And so before any kind of connection, before any, anything, you know, before I had to share anything negative that happened, I reached out to parents very early on. And like Carly said, started sharing those great things, those fun things, those exciting things and giving them information about the classroom and what was happening and pulling them in with the energy. And then that fear was gone. So that's my little piece of advice. Reach out, have fun with the families. Um, now let's turn our lens because now we talked about, you know, advice we would give to a brand new teacher or any teacher. Let's think about administration. If you had some advice for administrators at the campus or district level, what would it be uh, in regards to family engagement? What would you tell them about supporting our families of multilingual learners? I'm going to feel like Horshack over here going, me, me, me. <laughs> yes, okay. tell us. Um, I'm super excited just because I have been in that administrative role for a while, but I also had, you know, a supervisor that I needed to speak with or checking things with the principals and things like that. Um, and so some of the things that I that I think is, you know, like I said earlier about finding your village, you have to find your support system. Who's going to actually listen to those crazy ideas that pop in your head at three o'clock in the morning and 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 trust you enough to run with it? You know, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. There's there were two things that major that happened in the last district that I worked in. And uh, the first, you know, the second one was the LDL, the Nino. But prior to that, during COVID, we also did um, a virtual concert. And I'll never forget that conversation when I called my principal, you know, my supervisor and said, hey, I got this idea. We got to get our families engaged there. Everybody was home. We were all scared. You know, it's like this. We need to have this fun event. I think we can do it. And she was like, make it happen. And so we did. And literally within five minutes of us starting that virtual concert, my cheeks were hurting from smiling so big. I forgot we weren't in a cafeteria all together because you could see their families and their homes and kids were singing and dancing and grabbing their siblings and it was beautiful but you got to have those people who are going to support those crazy ideas and um and then the other thing too that I thought about is you know exactly what you guys were talking about we talk about the big events those are the big things that draw everybody in but it's looking for those little opportunities to make those connections and make those um those connections with the families so even little things like um doing a quick tip you know, right before a choir concert, because they're already there for the choir concert. Um, if it's before a volleyball game, maybe we're going to just share something. Um, or maybe I had a, a counselor one year that was the coolest. She would actually go into the pickup line because, you know, parents are sitting out there for an hour. You know, she would go into the pickup pick line and say, hey, come on in. We're going to do a parenting session. 
And she would do that. Your car's already, it's just going to sit there anyway. So come on in, let's do a quick parenting session, then you can go back to your car. So it's looking for those opportunities that are already existing and building upon that. So that way, it's not always this big hoopla. It's not going to cost you any money. You've got the, you know, like with practical parent education, we already have the curriculum. Let's do a quick tip. Let's embed that and, you know, make sure that we are looking for those opportunities whenever possible to make those connections with the families. That is so resourceful. Oh man, you just blew my mind. I was also thinking about in terms of administration for them to consider who are your frontline people. And what I mean by that is when our parents come into the building in the morning, our office team or our greeters or our, our teachers who are at those front doors on duties or bus teams that you know have kids on the buses and parents are putting them on the buses, do they have a preferred list of what languages the parents prefer to speak? So when they do come into the office, and this happens in school for me all the time, the office will give a call and say, I know Mrs. Bo is here and she's looking today um, to speak with you. We have the Vietnamese interpreter on the line. And we're like, great. You know, they know that Mrs. Bo prefers Vietnamese. They know how to access that interpreter and they know how to have an open, anxiety-free, stressless conversation. And she comes back to the school again and again with questions because she's had that experience. So just, you know, there is no isolation for a parent walking into the building because we're being proactive instead of reactive. And so let's get that office preferred list of parents and update it from time to time so that they are informed when parents come in. The other piece I like to think about with administrators is in terms of family engagement and communication, are you aware of all these awesome resources out there that can let you confidently communicate with whoever may come to school at any time? So do they know about things like language-based services and talking points and interpret talk and Google aloud and say hi and all these great things that they just keep adding tools to our toolbox for so that they do feel equipped to confidently speak with parents in an emergency situation or in a day-to-day -day conversation so that, again, it keeps encouraging parents who um, are multilingual to come back and it lets their students know that they're not responsible for that translation piece. And that's what I always encourage administrators to shy away from is grabbing a sibling or an older mentor or a neighbor or somebody down the hall. And they'll say, well, why? And I'll say, well, because as a parent, the most disempowering thing that could ever happen to me, I'm a mom of two teenage girls, would be not to be able to communicate about my child in a language that I speak love about them best. And so when I go to school and no one's there that can communicate with me, you're not going to get the most information in a way that's comfortable. So I say, you have these great resources, learn about S'more, learn about all these resources we mentioned and more and utilize them because now you'll get the most information from their parents. Maybe that parent doesn't want their neighbor to know about something happening in their house. Maybe they don't want their older child to know something about their little brother or sister or even themselves. So I ask them to be aware of those two things. I would say a few different things for administrators. I think number one is when we talk about family engagement for multilingual learners, I want administrators to know this. Do not make this only the responsibility of the EL teacher or the bilingual teacher or the dual language teacher or team. That's on you <laughs> as the leader to be, you know, leading for all families, not just some, uh, not just some that match your identity. And I'd say also elevating 
all of our languages in our spaces, whether it's virtual, whether it's newsletters, whether it's what the front office looks like, whether it's what bus drop off looks like, uh, or the pickup line looks like, um, all of us have the ability, even if we're monolingual, all of us have the about ability and responsibility to make our languages audible and visible in our spaces. Um, that should be like just very um, evident as, as you're walking into a space as a community member, as a parent, as a kid. Um, and again, as a family member, if I'm walking in and I see my language represented, again, now I have a little bit more trust and respect uh, for the school because I feel seen. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a few different things. And then the other piece I would share with administrators is um, constantly engage in reflective language uh, practices and and think about the language choices that you're making, um, especially uh, I know Viana you you alluded to this earlier, the idea of like parent involvement and declaring. Some people will make declarations and say, oh well that family is not involved or those families even worse right those families are not involved. Uh, rather than saying, no, 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 <laughs> I'm, you know, as a school, we're not being actively involved. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I would ask administrators and leaders to engage in reflective language uh, practices and just say, like, you know, what does this, when I say this phrase, what does this mean? What does this imply? What do others take from it? Because if I can audibly, like, if I can have that, like, out loud conversation, my own thinking of, like, you know what, I really feel like what I just said was problematic. Let me, let me unpack this a little bit and share that as a leader. Like, you know, we all have those moments of vulnerability. Uh, I think that builds some more trust with uh, teachers and administrators. Um, but saying, you know, I've got blind spots too that I need to work on um, as the leader. And I want to model <laughs> that I'm engaging in this work too, because I want to better serve all the families in our space. Carly, you just dropped the mic, basically. <laughs> Uh, bold statements here that are really, really powerful. Um, I think what one of the things I heard you say is that you are the leader of all students, not just some students, not just a select few, but all students. And I think that's a huge, huge message that we all need to hear, but specifically the leaders of our campuses and district, very powerful. Final question, as we're thinking about family engagement for our multilingual students. Complete this sentence stem. Every teacher of English learners should. I think that every teacher of English learners should have their binocular thinking on at all times. And what I mean by that is our English language learners and their families are working extremely hard to be successful at their education here in the U.S. And often they have what's called that microscope thinking. They're living day to day. They're trying to figure out what it is they may need to navigate this new place next. And as educators, I like to say we should have those binoculars on for their long-term vision, their long-term plan, their long-term success. And it's hard for them to do that. So if we can keep those binoculars on, on the days that they're feeling like microscope thinkers, then we can see that vision for them. I think they'll be very successful. I think that every teacher of English English learners should acknowledge the gifts that each family brings to the table, because I think that sometimes, you know, they get so stuck in the fact that, well, they don't know English, 
or they don't know a certain level of English. Um, and so I think that that's where we have to back up a little bit and go, wait a minute, every single child has gifts that they're bringing to their to the table and every single family has gifts that they're bringing to the table. And how can we access that? And how can we invite them in? I mean, I, one of my favorite things I used to do when I was in the classroom was having the parents, you know, come and read to the kids. And so the kids were always so proud of little things like that, but just acknowledging the fact that we are proud, we're happy that you're here, we acknowledge that you have gifts that you're bringing, and how can we access those? I think every teacher of English learners should move beyond practices, narratives, and mindsets that we inherit in our spaces. I think our, our schools and our districts need a little bit of shaking up. I feel like we've all heard the phrase like, the most dangerous sentence in the English language is like, this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> um, when we can push ourselves beyond, you know, practices where we've just been, been kind of passing down uh, from generation to, of teachers to generation of teachers, I think um, we can all do some shaking up a little bit, do a little bit of disrupting, do a little bit of ruffling some feathers. I think that's really, really healthy and really needed. Um, so yeah, pushing beyond just a little bit. Love this advice. This has been a really eye-opening conversation for me. And I know our listeners are also going to get a lot of important information that they can use for themselves and for their schools and campuses. Ladies, I'd like to thank you all. I will have show notes for everyone with links to where they can find you and learn more about you and the work you do. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a comment and share on social media and share with your colleagues too. We're happy to help you continue to lift language. See you next time.